Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. So to help us step into this passage, uh, our reading this morning about life together, specifically walking through life together, I went, I went back uh, to, I don't know, guilty pleasure is the wrong word. Maybe you share this. The writers of the office clearly acknowledged this natural inclination of the human heart, but the desire to, to, to capture the perfect like jumpy photo. Anyone ever sort of indulged in this ridiculous behavior? I have a picture here um, of, a, of a moment some 10 years ago, which was hard for me to accept as I looked at this picture. These are some seminary friends, and uh, you can see we were, uh, we were poised. We're trying to capture uh, a, a perfect jumpy photo. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone in the air uh, with maximum like height. You kind of set the camera at an angle so you capture and you like, create the illusion of like that you're soaring. Uh, this moment uh, was a fun one for us. We, we spent an embarrassing amount of time. Uh, this was all before kids and responsibility and uh, an embarrassing amount of time trying to capture uh, the perfect jumpy photo. And you can tell from, from this, I mean, this was a lot of work. It was a lot of laughter for us. But in this moment, I, I love the anticipation uh, here. We are, we are locked in. Um, we're all glued to, to tell you the truth, we're glued to the blinking light on the old digital camera that's on the uh, wall across from us, uh, trying to, we're all kind of counting the flashes of the auto timer so that we can like all jump at once. And uh, I mean, we're, you know, we're clearly like, we're, we're poised and, and we're ready. And that feeling, all right, for those of you that have been with us throughout the conversation on Ephesians, uh, but that feeling is, is one that I think, it's where Paul has us in our reading this morning. That, that uh, Paul has done his level best to rally us around the beautiful gift of God's grace. That God is at work. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. He is rich in mercy. Like the work we've said over and over again is his. And Paul has rallied us around this life-giving truth and brought us to this moment. Chapter four, verse one. Poised, crouched, ready right, to jump into life. We, we've said it before, it's an oversimplification, but a general structure, Paul has spent the first three chapters just laying the foundation. God is gracious, gracious to you and me, gracious to people similar to us and different, crossing ethnic, national lines, all those things, God and his grace is working. You are saved by that grace. He spent three chapters and now he's going to shift and tease out the implications of that. In a sense, if you will, he's going to invite us to jump to just take the leap. This is the truth from which you live. Now jump into the rest of your life. And it's that move that brings us to verse one, right? Right here, chapter four, verse one. Uh, I therefore, Paul writes, a prisoner of the Lord, a little uh, nuance there. He's a prisoner. He's, he's living his life uh, uh, for Jesus, but he's literally a prisoner uh, Precisely because he's arguing for Jews and Gentiles coming together, interestingly, uh, here, but a prisoner of the Lord, he writes, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Right from the start, right, so in his invitation to jump into life, 
I would put it to you this way. We, we see the call right at the beginning. Walk worthy. Right? So he's, he spent chapter after chapter saying, this is the truth. This is the gospel. Now walk worthy. And a natural question that I can see on your faces is worthy of what? Right? What Worthy of what? If I could, I'd, again, like to have a bit of fun with grammar, if it's possible. But I'd like to draw your attention to the passive voice in, the, in this first verse. The, the initial command, yes, is, is us, walk worthy. But look where he anchors that command. And he anchors it in a passive verb, walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The, the initiating, the anchoring activity in this verse is not your effort. It's God's prior effort in your life. God's work to which you have been called. He has, he has done the work. And again, I know we have said it every week, week after week, uh, but it's the gospel, right? We are again reminded that the work of life is his, a gift of his grace. Even here, even in this moment, when Paul is saying, Jump, right? Let's leap into all that this means. Jump. Even in this moment, he is situating it, right? Careful to situate it in God's call, God's work, his activity. So here's what I think that means for you and for me, again, that, that our obedience, if you will, our walking worthy, are stepping into new life and all of its places that, that, that we take it in our lives, that all of it flows from a gratitude of, of what he has done. Because here's, um, here's where I would venture to say that we are probably inclined to live, that we tend to think we have to live up to God's grace. And that if we live up to a certain standard, God's grace then finds its expression in our lives. But Paul flips the script and says, no, you don't live up to it, you live out of it. You don't live up to the standard that God then gives his grace and love to you, you live from it. That This is a work that he has already done. Again, to really grossly oversimplify all that we've discussed, we, I admit it up front, we're not going to say everything there is to say about Ephesians. You'll notice we jumped right over chapter 3 in terms of reading it in the room. Uh, but chapter 3, continued themes we saw last week. But remember where we started, Paul, just beautifully praying and writing about God's activity in saving us, that the work was his. And then in chapter 2, he really brought it home that we are saved by grace, that God is rich in mercy. Right, that it is not a work of our own, it's a gift. And then we saw last week at the end, end of chapter two, he teases that out. This changes the way we relate to each other fundamentally in scripture, the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, that, that all of that has shifted. God's grace breaks down the walls of, of ethnicity and, and nationalism, all the things we like to draw lines around. God's grace just levels all of that. And then in chapter three, Paul continues that conversation by talking about his role in making this beautiful announcement, right? It's, I've had the privilege, he says, of announcing this to, to Jews and, and now to Gentiles that God's grace is at work, right? So this has been the movement before he ever gets to walk worthy. But I, I want to draw your attention, it's not on the screen, but at the end of chapter three, the verses just prior to this 
call to leap into life. Listen to what Paul prays. It's another prayer. It's actually the prayer that will serve as our benediction this morning. He prays this, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you could ask or think, he says, according to that power that's working in you. What's the point here, Matt? Well, I just, I want you to consider for a moment that that. Just prior to this command, to leap into life, to walk worthy, Paul has rooted it in a prayer <laughs> focused on the love of Christ. That, that the, the feeling, the movement we get here is that resting in his love for us, right out of his love for us, we're able to step into new life. Again, it's not something we live up to, it's something we live out of or from, that we take our first and every subsequent step in life, everyone, every step into walking worthy, we take out of the context of God's love for us. So walk worthy. This is where we start. Walk worthy. But, but hopefully it's apparent this, this invitation to jump uh, it comes with context. In a sense, right, you might say that the call to walk worthy, it, it comes with a neighborhood, right? That there, that there is a, a contact, a context to this invitation. I, I would put it to you this way to kind of use the language of our passage. Uh, Paul says, walk worthy of your calling, walk worthy, that, that we walk worthy when we walk uh, together. That, that, so again, this is kind of the central really place we we will live this morning. We walk worthy when we walk together. Paul could have gone a number of places here, but notice where he goes after this command. I urge you, right? I'm a prisoner for this call uh, of, of living your life together with others. He says, I urge you to walk worthy. And then he goes right into with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Of all the places he could have gone, Paul tells us that walking worthy has an awful lot to do with how we relate to each other, how we relate to the people around us. And I don't think we need Paul's help recognizing just how bad we are at that, right? Recent history, Long, ancient history, we, we got a pretty good track record of just how bad we are at relating to one another. And here Paul says, interestingly, that walking worthy of this calling, earlier he prayed that you would know uh, the hope to which he has called you, God's grace at work in your life. Paul says walking worthy of that calling is really fleshy. It's just really nitty-gritty kind of stuff here. Paul uh, he, he says, you know, like in this moment that it's not, it's not some kind of private religious spiritual experience. We kind of had this experience of God and his love, and it happened sort of separate from or outside of real life. It's also not, uh, I think, this sort of keeps us from going to a place of like, my experience of God's love is just a, a kind of like self-righteous or kind of moralistic sort of 
space where I go and I can feel good about checking all the boxes and getting lots of distance between all the people who don't, right? <laughs> like that, that Paul doesn't let us kind of create that division quite so clearly here. He will call attention to it, but here he's really clear that walking worthy is really ah, tangible. Walking worthy means walking together, right? That our relationship with God here, in living out of the context of his love and grace for us, that, that it simultaneously involves relationships with others, I uh, I think we saw this last week, but you know life is hard enough. Or we we would probably many of us would confess, particularly now life uh, is, life is hard enough. But life together, right? Life would be easy sometimes if we didn't have to worry about anyone else. But life together, oftentimes, is another matter in, entirely. I, I have another picture from our uh, experience here. If I could take you back to, to this jumpy photo, uh, you'll see that one person has missed the timing here, and that person is Jess. Um, uh, yeah, so we, you know, the challenge, again, if we had been taking solo shots, which I shared with the folks over Zoom, uh, me and the, and the girls, the, my children were COVID bike riding kind of on our own, and we passed a fire hydrant and saw a golden opportunity for a jumpy photo and spent, again, an embarrassing amount of time. But it was easy, right? Because just one person at a time, just catching lot. I mean, they were, we were flying, and it was amazing. The challenge isn't sort of singularly catching that moment. The challenge is in doing it together. Right, Jess was clearly a little overeager here, right? And uh, uh, but but I think right if if I think Paul is acknowledging that struggle in our faith that in some respects living it alone again loneliness is never easy. But but when we think about faith and you know me and God's love and that's great, like that that's great. Paul says it's fleshed out in how we live with each other. If I could take you back to that prayer at the end of chapter 3, listen to what Paul says when he prays, right? That you would know the height and breadth and depth and length, like the full dimensions of God's love, he says, that you would comprehend it together with all the saints. That's an interesting qualifier, that when he prays for his readers, which now include you and me, when he prays for us to know the depth of God's love for us in Jesus, he qualifies it by saying, with all the saints. What's he, what's he doing there? What's he doing there? I think on some level, he is clearly nudging us, uh, admitting, sure, you can know the love of God by yourself, but your knowledge and experience of that love will be limited by your perspective. In a sense, he's saying that we need the whole people of God. We need the whole people of God. We need each other to really understand and comprehend the whole love of God, that we need each other. I, uh, I, I've been reading, we, 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 we took a jump, speaking of leaping into life, we took a jump as a family, uh, we, read, we try to read to the girls at night, and we just started reading a few weeks back, The Mysterious Benedict Society, and uh, 
It was a jump for us on a couple levels. One, it's a, quite a bit thicker than anything we've read before. I thought for sure they would like peter out and we could move on to something easier, but we're still in it, right? And it's been really fun. I'm enjoying it. So it's a selfish choice, I suppose. But it's also been a stretch because it's a lot of vocabulary that eight-year-olds don't know. And I spent half the time explaining what we've just read. So it's it's been a, a great time. But uh, this will be perhaps an example of that. There's a there's a setting in the in the book which is a chapter we're going to step into. You don't care, but tomorrow or tonight. Uh, but the title of that chapter and the name of this location is Nomenson Island. Nomenson Island, which I think, I don't know, we're not there yet, I think perhaps is a nod to John Donne's famous work, No Man is an Island. Anybody remember this from like school days, perhaps? No man is an island, or maybe you just enjoy reading. Like, uh, yeah, uh, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And yes, my eight-year-old daughters were looking at me just the way you're looking at me now. Like, you're really going to talk John Donne with us, Dad? And I tried, and I failed. <laughs> but, but I thought, man, you know, in, in, in a way... Uh, in perhaps a much more deeply significant way, Paul is telling us that you can know the love of God and you can know it truthfully, but you won't plumb its depths until you have lived it together. That you can walk worthy, yes, but we most truly walk worthy when we walk together. And he'll give shape to that. Over these next, like in, in this paragraph here and nodding to what comes next, he gives shape to that togetherness. We see the first, these are some maybe aspects. If you like to take notes, maybe some things you reflect on later. The first thing he says is that life together involves charity, right? It involves a a, a posture of affection and and love. And we, we saw that already with what we read. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We could go a couple different directions focusing on these words, but I want to draw your attention to two of them. Those first two, uh, humility and, and gentleness. This is not the first time in scripture that those two words uh, show up together. Uh, there, is a, there is another moment in the Gospels where specifically these two words, humility and gentleness, uh, come linked and together. And it's in Matthew chapter 11, a passage that's probably familiar to you when Jesus says in chapter 11, anyone who's burdened and heavy laden, come to me. Come to me, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. I am gentle and humble in heart, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. All right, we, we've, we've nodded at this, I think, previously, but this is the only time in Scripture, in the Gospels, that we see Jesus giving us a self-description of his heart. Okay, of all the things he could have said, this is the only time he, he gives us a self-description of his heart. And I think it's important for us to remember that biblically, like in scripture, I mean, the heart is the seat of, of life. Um, we'll read in the Old Testament, guard the heart because from it flow the springs of life. It is, it is the source, the, the space that animates us from which who we are kind of emanates and flows. And when Jesus tells us what that space in his life is like, All the words the Son of God incarnate in the flesh could have said right there. He says, I am gentle and lowly, humble. But what is he saying? And what's that got to do with what Paul is calling us into? 
Here, I think in that passage, Jesus is saying that, that you, again, as Paul has made clear, you don't unburden yourself first and then come to me. It's precisely your burdens that open the way for you to make your way to me. But, but to describe himself as gentle and lowly, I think, is, is Jesus telling us that when we come, that when we come, we, we find him less sort of all pointed finger and much more open arms. And this is not a, again, this is not a kind of mushy, frothy, you know, uh, sort of affection or love, kind of just washing over everything, you know, like this, this is not that kind of space. What, what, what Jesus is telling us here is that when we come to him with all of our sinfulness and brokenness, when we come to him, that his heart as gentle and humble is, is, is positioned such that, such that it is never outmatched by our sins or our failures or insecurities our doubts, that for Jesus to tell us that his posture towards us, his like the animating force in his life flows from a place of gentleness and humility when we bring all of the junk and brokenness of our lives in front of him. No wonder he says, you will find rest. Where else do we find an unqualified kind of grace and affection? And Paul says, Paul says, you want to walk worthy. We do it best when we walk together. And walking together means approaching one another with gentleness and humility. I'm going to guess that if you were going to choose two words to describe the discourse of life together in our world right now, gentle and humble are probably nowhere on the list. Right? They're not even in the book. And yet Jesus and now Paul are telling us that the, the mark of his children in the world, you and me, lives again lived out of the security of his grace. Those lives will walk worthy when they walk together. And that walking together looks an awful lot like relating to each other in the same way that Jesus relates to us. So what I hope you will hear in all of that, one is guidance in your own uh, relationships with the people in your life and world. But two, whatever you may be carrying into that space that you would hear the heart of Jesus welcoming you this morning. So what does, what does it look like walking together? The first word was charity. Very quickly, a couple of more. One is diversity in this passage. Last week, we saw that that diversity was multi-ethnic and multinational, and we reflected on that. If you're curious about what that means or looks like, uh, I'd invite you to go back. All that stuff, I think, is on our website or on our YouTube page, and you can, you can listen to that. This week, that diversity is a little bit different. It's a diversity that we see in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's a diversity of, of uniqueness and contribution that all of us, regardless of stage of life, regardless of experience, regardless of sort of where we may be in sort of the world's status of like, this is where you are in life. Paul says all of that because of God's grace in this community, when we walk together, we all have something to contribute. It's, a, it's an important shift in his writing in this paragraph. He's been focused on all of us, all of us, all of us, and now moves to each of us. 
that a part of all of us living together means that each of us have something to contribute. We didn't read, we didn't read the verses that follow, but what comes next is a classic, or rather, um, it's one of several sections of scripture in the New Testament that uh, we call gift lists, right? These gifts that God gives to the church. This particular list that follows is a, is a really big one, you know, like pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers and maybe what we think of as like, you know, sort of vocational types of ministry, which is not always a helpful qualification or the right one. Uh, but it's one of several sort of series of lists we find in the New Testament. Paul's saying that walking together doesn't just mean charity, but diversity, that we all, that we, that God has gifted us all to, to, to benefit others. And that list is expansive in the New Testament. It'll range from like words of knowledge, which feel really spiritual to like hospitality. It's just a really wide range of things. And all of them, Paul says, meaningful expressions of what it means to, to walk together out of charity, gentleness, and humility, serving each other uniquely skilled or gifted in a way uh, to contribute and to help others, as we'll see, grow, which moves us maybe to the third word. If, if you want to think about what does walking together uh, look like, it looks like charity, it looks like diversity, but all of this in our reading is aiming at another word, and that word is maturity. Uh, that Paul says, what happens when we walk worthy by walking together is that inevitably we will grow and we will help others grow. We'll grow. Uh, verse 13, so right after, uh, sorry, verse 12, right? He says, you've been gifted. Uh, all these gifts are there in you. You have something to contribute. Verse 12, precisely to equip the saints, all of us, for the work of ministry, for the building up of Christ. And then he says in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature, he will write. In verse 15, to grow up in every way into Christ. Verse 16, to make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All of it aiming, Paul telling us here, towards maturity. And maturity looks like knowing, seeing Christ more and more clearly. The knowledge of the Son of God, whom we've just seen has revealed himself to us as gentle and lowly, humble, lovingly, uh, calling us into life and grace. Paul says, this is what... It looks like we, we've covered a lot of ground this morning, and all of these are themes that we either hit directly in this passage or we see sort of lead us into the passage or continue beyond. Paul tells us here, we walk worthy. We walk worthy when we walk together. And when we walk together, we help others see Christ. So I, I, thinking about this movement and what it might look like to illustrate it. I, I was chatting with someone from our church uh, this week and uh, they were talking about work and I uh, asked them if I could share this story with you and they said, okay, so this is me, uh, this is me doing that. And here's what I hope you'll see by way of illustration that you'll see yourself kind of in this story in any number of places. Uh, because here's what I think that when we think about this, like walking worthy or using our gifts or helping others see Christ, it, it feels really oftentimes big. Right? It feels really uh, epic. My girls ask me, what does epic mean? Right? Like, it, it can feel kind of like this big thing out of reach. And what 
what I hope you'll see this morning is what Paul tells us is know that, that the, what happens is you live and rest in God's grace. That you don't work your way into it, right? And the more you live there, as you begin to walk from that place, not, not up to it or into it, you begin to walk from that place, walking through life with the people around you, that God will work through you and through the gifts that he's placed in your life. And that, that process of walking together, people will grow because they will see Christ. So, uh, yeah, I was chatting with a member of our congregation and they were in a common workspace at work uh, over the last week or so. And uh, one or two other people in there. And uh, someone came in, another coworker came in, just angry, upset, distraught, like uh, visibly like slamming the laptops and yanking stuff to kind of leave the room and maybe a little apologetic, like just angry and uh, clearly like upset. And the member of our congregation said, you know, the person came in, it was, obviously everyone's in the same space, and uh, the, the kind of apologetic, like, I'm going to leave, I'll go, I'll go. And, and uh, the member of our congregation was like, no, it's okay, it's okay, just stay, just stay. Like, no, 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 like, no, just stay. You be grumpy, that's fine, but be grumpy with us, right? Just be together, right? Walk, walk, walk together with us. And so the person stayed, and, you know, I did whatever happened, and, and that was a great moment, but, but uh, in, in kind of chatting with them, they said, what? Well, the fruit of that came later in the day, that the, the sort of ground was laid for a further conversation, that uh, really space had been opened. Perhaps, I don't, again, through an approach to life that is rooted in God's grace, gentle and lowly, and just open space for someone to come with all of their burden. And so later in the day, that same coworker, so upset and distraught and broken, started to share sort of what was behind that outburst. And uh, started, I think, kind of really close to home and job security. Like uh, the, you know, that the, the, like, there's a pressure that many of you and us are feeling. Like it is a tangible sort of stress on life and, and feeling job security, but it didn't stay small. COVID came up, and political discourse came up, and racial injustice came up, and the feeling of fear and overwhelmed sort of lostness. Like it's just everything seems so irrevocably broken, right? Like, and so much kind of fear and anger uh, in that moment. And just kind of giving voice to all that. And a member, again, of our congregation, who I don't know would qualify themselves as an evangelist, right? Uh, but uh, in, in that moment, walking together out of their experience of God's grace, was able to say, again, just in that moment, you're right, I know. The world is crazy. Life is clearly hard. There is a lot that is broken. There's a lot that is broken. But can I tell you what, what gives me strength? Not just like, not, not just like this is what keeps me going, but like, but but this is where I find hope. My faith. And I hear in that an echo of what Paul has already prayed that you would know, that you might know the hope to which you have been called. It is what I I hope for you again. It's it's not a really kind of flashy like picture. It's just it's just living out of God's grace in our lives in a way that is open and attentive through gentleness and humility to the lives of the people around us and walking together with them. And somehow, somehow through that, God in his grace brings his son into clearer focus, gives hope. 
My, my hunch, my hunches again, and I might be wrong. I'm wrong uh, a lot of the time. But my hunches, when we think about walking worthy, again, it's this really sort of morally strenuous space. Or we, 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 we do it in an adversarial way. The world is falling apart and we circle the wagons and like just going to hunker down and live worthy, right? Like purely or, and you know, there's a perhaps a time and a space for that. But, but I think Paul paints a very different picture. I think Paul paints, I have one last photo. I think the, the picture Paul paints for us looks more like this, right? That, that living out of grace is meant to be a joyous leap into life. That even when the world is like broken and falling apart and, and so much of life seems challenging and difficult, that, that what Paul tells us here is that, is that the journey out of grace isn't some stodgy religious experience, but that when we live resting in the grace of God, responding to the open arms of Jesus who calls us to come to him and find rest. That as we step out of that place into life, leaping into life, it's an invitation into, into joy, right? An invitation into gracious living because we have experienced it and tasted it ourselves. And that somehow, miraculously, again, by a work of God. In our reading this morning, Paul has says that we would know God who is over all, through all, and in all. That when we, even in our brokenness, walk out of grace with others, by a work of God, he makes something beautiful. He takes all of our often misguided attempts of living life together and begins to move and work in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our offices working towards helping others see the beautiful grace of his son it is again god's work thank you for listening to the park city church podcast to learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com